0: to grow through what you go through, it's Mayor Courtney. I apologize for taking so many breaks in between episodes, but I'm trying to get back on the get back on the wave of doing it regularly, but today is the day after Thanksgiving, so I wanted to say I hope everyone had a great day with their friends and family or however they celebrate, and that those of us in the education field are really enjoying our time off. And out of school kind of to decompress and reevaluate and reset before the next month before our next break which is quite the long stretch because especially in education with kids this is where kids get a little bit rowdy they get a little bit rowdy and you see a lot of peaks in behaviors and also peaks in Depression and anxiety and suicidal ideations. This is like a really tough time of year, especially for middle and high schoolers. It's, and then obviously it falls back on us support staff and probably teachers too. I think everyone's impacted by this time of year, whether it's positive in the middle or really difficult. And I just want to shout out all of us that are in that boat of trying to put the kids first and acknowledge that these are tough times for a lot of families and a lot of people, but also ourselves. So we got to make sure that we take care of ourselves. And it kind of leads into the topic of today. It has been really difficult this year. And all of my, especially my support staff people, are feeling it, but I know teachers are feeling it, too. There's just been something different about this year, and I'm not entirely sure what it is. But this year picked up so quickly. And I, I, I can't really tell if it's because now I'm grandfathered into the school this year. I was I was new last year, and I don't know if, it like, the beginning of the year was a lot slower because the kids didn't know who I was and didn't depend on me yet and didn't really understand our roles, I want to say. But I could be totally wrong and it could be just this year in general and I don't know what the summer had unpacked. But I'm sure this is kind of a norm for what teachers notice regularly when they work every year that kids come back after summer and they're all wild and they're not the same. And then you have to restart and reteach them things and all of that. Um, And it's also my second year in the same place in the polit- in the educational politics and things like that being within a school district rather than on an, um, an outside agency. So there's just been a lot of emotions lately, especially for myself too. And I kind of wanted to just kind of decompress before I get back on Monday and I think this is a really great form of therapy for myself and I know that people can relate and I like people being able to relate. So let me know if you relate to this topic goes, like I said, it goes for the holidays too, but I know that a lot of people are familiar with compassion fatigue when I talk about that, but I wanted to go into a different space, into a different topic, which is empathy fatigue, and that's the topic of today. The definition of empathy fatigue is the physical, emotional, and mental exhaustion that can result from providing emotional support to others. Um, And it's like overextending compassion and empathy. And we end up kind of neglecting ourselves, especially in this field, especially this time of year. I have felt it so deeply, especially the past few weeks. I I felt like there was a time, I'm not even kidding, like when I'm talking that the week picked up the ground running in September, I'm not joking. I feel that the kids coming back they felt like they because summer is they thought that and i think i gotta make that more clear this year that us support staff are available during the summer so they don't have to pent up everything until september and try to teach some strategies that they so they don't have to rely on just us one adult because that's stressful for them and it's stressful for us to get back into and there was like this long stretch of october and november and i know that we're still in november but every week my colleagues and i especially as social workers we were like Oh my God, this week was so hard. Like what is up with that? Or the counselors, like all of us like this week was hard. Hopefully ne- next week will be better. And then Monday hits and then it the same the same statement was made on that Friday. And it was just like weeks span, like weeks on weeks on weeks of just getting harder and harder, not getting any easier. And it's just the need of us and then the lack of understanding of what we do and the confusion of trying to make everybody happy. And it's just really difficult. And I had fell into this space where, for the first time ever, I've never, since I've been working since 17 years old, so 11 years of working everywhere. Like, I worked in retail, which is very stressful, and I worked in, I worked with kids in the cities, and I've worked, like, going to their homes, and I've worked in different schools, and I've never, ever, and it's so weird that I'm saying this, I've never cried at work. I know that crying is okay, and that feelings are okay, support that and I'm very I like to talk about it and I like people to talk about it and cry if they need to and have emotions and emote when they need to. But I also have that piece of me that's like there's a time and a place, right? Like I never want to bring my emotions into work. And I get that we're human and that sometimes they're gonna be there but I never wanted to show that. I've never wanted to be the person to show that and have them come out when I'm in when I'm in my job. Like the kids are my priority when I go into work and I do a very good job hives all over me and I just couldn't stop crying I've just never experienced that before and it's the weight I feel like I felt like the weight of the world was on me specifically I'm so good at compartmentalizing like myself and my friends and work and like different and I I know how to brush things off but for whatever reason it's just been so heavy and I feel that all of us social workers get it like I've seen The three of us, there's three of us, cry this year in school, and that's a problem. I feel like that isn't right. I feel like we're the people that need the most decompressing, and that's biased, obviously. But it is so tough being the misunderstood job. I've heard commentary of, like, you guys chose that job, you chose to do this, and just not understanding exactly what we do and what we're hearing all day. And it was great that ourselves, like all of us, social workers in the district as well as the counselors we came together and we're like our jobs are so misunderstood it's not even funny it's really frustrating and there's a lack of understanding and not having time to talk about it or decompress or not many people asking how we're doing or us not knowing how to unravel and talk to different people because we're like they don't understand or we don't want to put that on them so we rely on each other which I'm so grateful for and helping each other. I just feel so understood when I talk to my social work people and my counseling people. I think that, that we just kind of feel that we have to suck it up, but we really don't have to when we can rely on each other. But it would just feel so much better if we all came together to like as a team, like the teachers and admin everyone included, just to, to process. Um but going off of that, like recently for myself, that Being in an education system, being in a school district, there's so many. And I know I I had been warned about this before, getting into a school district itself, but I had been warned about the, the politics of school. It's about who you know, what you do, the funding, what's more important in the eyes of a district versus what might be important to us as support staff. And you feel very stuck in this position because... You're not only there, even though your priority is the kids and you try to make that clear, you have to work with the adults to understand them, have empathy for them, compassion for them. You have to think about your boss. You have to think about the parents. You have to think about what you're saying, what you're doing, you know, the superintendent, all of those pieces coming together. And then sometimes you get trapped in that cycle. And I know that my my coworkers had been talking about like being tenured and not wanting Speak up because of the fear of getting fired or not wanting to do the wrong thing that can get you in super trouble. You know, like there's always that piece of worry, right? Because a teacher can report you to the admin and superintendent, or a parent can do that. And it just feels like you're put into this box and you're squished down and you forget your purpose is the kids you want to people please and i haven't been a people pleaser in years but when it comes to here like this is where the empathy fatigue comes in because you're hearing the teacher's perspective because they're obviously going through their own struggles outside of work you don't know what anyone is going through there's something could have happened that morning or this could have happened and that kid sent them over the edge and they're wanting the teachers to come vent to you about their struggles but then they end up talking poorly about the kids and you're like well we're here for the kids. Why are you talking about them? And then if I say this, then the parent is going to get mad or the parent and myself are on the same side and the teacher's wrong. And, or you get yelled at because of what the kids are doing and you work with them. And it's just, it's all over the place. Right. And then you end up feeling that you're failing at your job because you can't please everyone. And then you just like, you break down. And that was the point where I had gotten to. And the more like the, the, all encompassing thoughts of a social worker is i'm going to like i'm going into monday and i'm going forward with focusing on the kids it's not my job it's not our job working as the social workers and the counselors at in a school it is not our job to make the teachers happy or any adults happy for that matter like we we are competent at our jobs to know when a kid is bull bullshitting us or We just know when they're trying to take advantage. But at the end of the day, we have that control. Like, I just never understand the micromanaging coming from all angles because we know what we're doing, and we feel judged that they, like the people that, the way that we're so misunderstood. And I'm sorry, this is such a hard topic to talk about because I try not to offend anybody. But, again, this is my opinion. This is my perspective. That is not our job to please or make adults that don't want to figure us out know what we actually do. Like, we know which kids are circling around being inappropriate that just want to come hang out with us that looks like we're hanging out. We know which kids those are, and we invest in the ones that truly need us, the ones that make sure, like, we, we, we really want them to be responsible and tell their teachers first or ask if they can come to us, and then we decide which kids are a priority. And sometimes we do flub up. Sometimes we do allow kids to come hang out, but again, they need a break. There's no reason that a kid has to sit through seven hours of academics and not have a break or not want to come sit and hang out for a little bit or be noisy or be loud and be goofy. Like, my lunch groups are so fun, and then I always feel that I know I'm getting judged. I know I'm getting judged by allowing these kids to swear and have fun and breathe. They don't have, they don't have recess anymore. They need a space to go to, and even if it's a study hall, or they just need that few minutes to just really calm down. And I'm going to keep that bubble. I'm going to keep my room as a safe space. And I don't care what somebody walking by me is like, because I know that there's commentary like, if you let them do that, they're going to take them mi- out. If you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And trust us on the fact that we know how to do our job. I can't stand it. I can never, like, I never, and I get it that we're a different profession, but I can never, ever, ever see any of us, our counselors or social workers, going into a teacher's room and saying, Hey, you're not doing that right. You're doing this wrong. You're letting them hang out too much. That group work, you should be teaching. Imagine us going into their space and trying to micromanage what they're doing or email them and tell them how to teach. We would be gone in an instant, so why is it okay for that to be done about our job? And if you have an issue with us, why don't you come confront us and then we can explain our job more. I really do want to make it a thing that we can teach people and and. But you can't make a person understand you if they don't want to understand you or what you do. The politics of school are different than they used to be. I know that we have senior teachers that think that whatever, they want to think whatever of us because they didn't have us. But you always want to have better for the next generation. That is our purpose. I'm so sorry that you didn't have social workers or counselors or people to care about how you are. But that's why some of you are so miserable, right? So we're trying to make this generation better. We're not trying to let our kids get away with everything. We're trying to teach them actual human skills because at the end of the day, that is the most important part of them is making them a good citizen for society. It's not about what math they know or what English they know and, or what, and that's not a, like that's not trying to put down a teacher's job because I think teachers are magnificent and they're creating the future. But it's not about the subjects that are being taught. It's about how you have kids work together or speak to each other and socialize and work group work and learning the tiny pieces that make them who they're going to be. They're not going to be, they're not all going to be ELA teachers or I, I can't even, you know, like social study experts and things like that. And I know some teachers get it and I love them so much and I appreciate the work that they're putting in for the socio-emotional learning. And I love those pieces but it's not about the math or science it's about the connections and us again being the only adult that they could come to and just taking that step back and not and it's not offending you like I'm so happy that you're passionate about your job and you're passionate about that subject but these are kids and we have to just build them to be human it's not about their homework it's not about it's just being human I'm sorry. And I know that we've all had teachers that were mean to us. Why would we want to be that person or that doesn't understand or takes our feelings out on a kid? And we're the adults that have to manage ourselves because we're, we're what's the word, we're modeling for them. We have to be better than them. We do not have to yell back at them. We do not have to stoop to their level. They have, they, we should teach them how to come to our level and sit with them. And yes, they're going to frustrate us. Yes, they're going to hurt us but why would we do that back to a child? Like the oldest age that we have in our building is 14, and that's a baby. And that's why we had our staff meeting at the beginning of the year to remind us that that's somebody's kid. That is a child. I'm not saying that their behaviors should always be excused and there should be consequences, but letting them, like if a kid is at, it's like imagine you getting yelled at if you were at your most angry, right? I'm not saying that the kid's, the kid, what the kid is doing is appropriate, but why would you match their energy? They should be matching yours at a calmer tone, letting them take a minute in processing. There's so many missing links, and I get some people have bad days, and we all do, but that's so important to humanize ourselves, too. When I have a bad day, I'm always the first one to tell the children, like, hey, I'm sorry about yesterday, or like, I... Feel that I've trained so many of my kids so well that they check on me when they can see the, the change in my face or they know that I might be hurting and they just give me a hug or they ask if I'm okay and that's beautiful like that is what relationships and connections do <sighs> sorry I went on a tangent but the empathy fatigue like worrying about my students I end up crying but then I see that my colleague is crying because of how my t- my student had taught had had impacted them or had hurt them, like, they were talking some, like, they are just hurt, like, hurt people hurt people, and I get the venting versus talking shit about a kid or vice versa, but you're doing just exactly what they're doing when you match, like, you yell at the kid or tell them to never speak to you like that, or you point your finger and you yell, you're putting their fight or flight in, and then they're going to explode, and then you're going to explode because you can't believe that a child is reacting that way. But at the end of the day, all of these kids come from really, really crappy homes. It is not an excuse, and it is our job to teach them to be better. But if a kid is already at their anger zone, you saying, you telling them that they're being disrespectful or rude, but this is how they talk. Like This is their home life. This is what they get at home, the pointing of the fingers, the yelling, and then they feel like they have to protect themselves. They put on their armor with their anger, and they're flipping you off, and they're cussing you out. That is their norm, and it's not about you at all. And that's us adults, what we have to do to manage ourselves, because it's not about us, it's about what they experience every goddamn day. And I get so passionate about this, because we're the adults here. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, I've, I've raised my voice at kids before too. But you have to learn the kid. Imagine if you're yelling at somebody that has a trigger. Again empathy fatigue of it my experience recently one of my favorite colleagues that i really really respect had gotten into a screaming match with one of my 11-year-olds and i'm not and everything she said was not good she was cussing him out the words that had come out of her mouth because she got her phone taken away and she was being disrespectful was yelling back at my my colleague that i really look up to and they were he was fighting back with her and again He's experiencing his own personal struggles, but he yelled at her and then she yelled at him and then I came out to check on them and again it's not my job to explain my situation or the kids' situation. I had come out in the midst of it, even though and he didn't like nobody had the backstory that my student decided to run away from me and I was gonna get her in trouble because she shouldn't have run away from me because then she got in trouble and I walked out in the crossfire of her getting yelled at by one of my respected colleagues and then I got yelled at I had been yelled at because of her actions because she wasn't with me and I get triggered when a man yells at me specifically I can handle a woman yelling at me and I got triggered and I started crying and that's when I had hives and I just couldn't believe my my visceral reaction to yelling because I have triggers and you have triggers, but we have to be the adults that can handle that and not hurt each other. Like, I don't, I'm sorry. Like, I really don't think any human should ever raise their voice. I think we're adults. I think we can really, and I'm not trying to put him down because that's what he, that he doesn't do it often. It's only when he's very angry and he has outside stuff going on, but I don't think it's appropriate to be yelling at one another, especially kids because you don't know where they're coming from. That could be their biggest trigger is yelling, just like myself. So why would we ever want to put someone in that boat? I could never imagine going up to one of my colleagues and screaming at them or screaming at a kid. I can't see it, no matter how frustrated or hurt. And that's a him problem. Like, he's got to work on that. We all have our flaws. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not talking down on anybody. But we have to be self-aware. And that's why one of my first episodes was self-awareness, because we need to be aware of that. What sets me off? A kid being disrespectful to me? I got to walk away. Then I can email his social worker and her parent or whoever and talk about it when I'm calmed down. Because I got triggered by this this tiny human cussing me out and calling me all the names in the book and not following rules. And it pissed him off. For sure. I get it. I was pissed at her too. To be quite frank. But that right there was micromanaging my job, not thinking I know how to do my job, and doubting my job. And that was hurtful too no matter how mad he was, like, that was like, you're not watching your your student, and then I had to deal with this, when that's not it at all, and that hurts. I imagine me going into his class and saying, hmm, you're not teaching them enough, or why are you sitting on your phone, or like, you know what I mean, like, it's just hurtful, and I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe I reacted that way, especially since it was somebody I respected, and I'm dealing with something similar to what his family's dealing with, and you just don't know, and I just don't understand that people lack that empathy and compassion, like, we all got to come in the middle. I have too much that I like. I really forgive people and accept things that I shouldn't. Like, I'm like, oh, he's going through a lot. So, it's a-. but no, it's not okay that he yelled. It's not okay that I got yelled at. It's not okay that I got doubted. And it's not okay that he doesn't have that compassion or empathy for other people in that moment when he's angry that's too much empathy versus not enough empathy. We should come in the middle of like, yes, that was freaking disrespectful. I'm pissed at that little girl too. And yes, she got reamed out by me. I took a break from her. I told her she couldn't have any lunch groups after de- acting like that. And guess what? Because she respects me, she apologized to me. She, I was like, girl, you put me in a position where I got yelled at and that's not okay. And she hasn't done it since. She apologized. She gave me a hug and she felt really bad. And she understood that she didn't deserve to have lunch groups with me after that, and that is respect. That is teaching. That is teaching respect, meeting respect. I am capable of my job. I can teach them lessons too. But I feel like recently, and this could be a me thing, it could be a counselor and a social work thing, but I feel like I have to go explain myself to everybody. Be like, oh, guess what? Because she yelled at you and I respect you. I I had her not have her lunch groups this week. But well, why do I have to explain myself when – People I work with should know what my job is and should respect me already. I shouldn't have to explain the situation. I shouldn't have to explain what I do. I'm not a free for all room. I'm very good with my kids. And it hurts. Like, I could cry right now just because it stirs up a lot of emotions of just feeling so misunderstood in all the angles, right? And I feel. In that moment, like, I know how parents feel on the outside. Like, oh, my God, your kid is so bad. It's the parents' fault. It's the parents' fault. Sometimes it's not. A lot of the times, 95% of the time, it is. But we can't all be perfect at the same freaking time. And I just feel like I feel like us social workers and counselors are the parents at the school. And what I mean by that is, like, you can blame the parent outside of school so much, but we're the ones that get blamed in school. Oh, you let them out of class. It's your fault. They come to you in the middle of class. That's your fault. You don't know how to control your kids. You don't know how to control your office. I'm sorry that my room is a safe space and every kid wants to come to me during passing time. I can't control that. This is their safe place. They're going to come to me. No matter how many times I tell them not to, they feel safe. They want a hug. They want to say hello, and they all do it at once. That's not, that's not me not knowing how to manage my room. It's because my kids want to come see me. And if you created your classrooms that same way, they would come to you. And I have examples of that. So many of my frequent flyers from last year love, love, love their teams this year and they go to them and said they want to talk to their science teacher they want to talk to their their social studies teacher they want to hang out in their room they want to go to class early just so they can talk for a little bit they feel safe in their teacher's room so they don't come to me as much and I really wish that we had that environment for all and I'm happy that they have those people too but beyond me I don't want to do by myself I don't want to be the only one so that's a that's a team that's a team that's a team thing we have to do you have to make your room safe and make these kids want to come to you. You don't want them to come to my room and be like, ugh, I have to go to this class. I don't want to be in there. I don't want to see them. I'm sad. I don't want to do it. They make me feel uncomfortable. And then they're wasting their time in my room, and then that leads to the, stra- that leads to the cycle, right? They come to me. I have to give them a pass because they're late to class. You're mad at me because they were late, but guess what? It's about you and you don't want to own that part that they don't want to come to your room. It's not always about the work in the room. There are teachers that have that are the most lovely human and their subject sucks, but the kids still want to go to that human. And again, it's about it's not about the topic, it's about you. Fix it. If you were working with kids, you have to make yourself open and you got to make yourself a safe place. I don't just say that, it's real. And people get pissed about social emotional learning, but that is exactly where we need to be. Because I don't miss the teachers that were crappy to me at all. But I had my pocket of people that I still am so grateful for and the ones that looked out for me. It wasn't about... It, it was like, I get choked up. It was about the safe places I had. Because I was some of these kids. I didn't want to go to my science teacher that yelled at me. I wanted to go to my English teacher who checked in on me. I wanted to go to my science teacher that knew when I started having issues with eating that would give me a banana and a piece of gum just to be there, or checked on me, or gave me something, or like, just was there. I don't remember anything that they taught me. But they were like, hi, Court, how are you doing? I wanted, sorry. (laughs) I wanted to go to their class. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be present, and I didn't want to be home. There was a lot of mental health issues in my home. I'm not saying it's as bad as the kids that we have. I didn't want to go home. I stayed after school every day to be with my teachers just to talk. I would go to my, through my study halls. I would go sit with even substitute teachers that I connected with just to have that adult person. I wanted to go to those classrooms, even if I didn't like the subject. I hated chemistry, but I loved my teacher, and he looked out for me. In my, English, in my social studies teachers were so funny. I wanted to go talk to them or I wanted to hang with all my English teachers. And that's what I remember. And I know that everybody has those people. So why would you want to be the opposite of that? Making them feel crappy for coming to your room or not want to listen to you and be disrespectful to you because they're a kid. And right now they think that respect meets respect and they should be. that. That's fine. They, are, they shouldn't just shut, sit down, shut up and follow the rules of somebody that's not being nice to them. Why would you ever teach them that? Cuz then those are the kids that go out into the world and that thi- and let people treat them shitty because oh, they're my elders, they should be- that make it okay no we're better than that we have to fix that everything i've been through makes me want to be better today it should make you feel the same especially when you're with kids you chose this job you don't have to be in it you can leave any day stop thinking about the money stop thinking about the stop thinking about the retirement think about the kids that's why we're there it's not about you it's partially about you you can include yourself but if you're unhappy and you're treating kids like crap then leave And I will never change my mind about that. I don't care when an adult, I do care when an adult is going on, like going through on the outside, but you are responsible, not the kid. And if you're unhappy, you take care of you and you get out. Do not take it out on our poor little kids that are experiencing shitty lives, okay? Any kid, even the most awesome kid, stop. Like you're not there for them and not everybody has that great of a life like that special kid that you like in your class that sits up. Think about the ones that are o- overtly o- not okay. You chose it. You fix it. You work with it. Because sometimes we are that only adult that's teaching them the good things, and I'm very clear with that. We are their guide, Or we want them to be better. Or else that is those are the kids that are going to be in society being shitty because you were shitty to them. Mic drop there. Not kidding. Not taking that back. We are their models. We spend so much time with them. Treat them better the kids show them model good behavior happiness being able to speak up about how they're feeling what they're going through guide them that is why we're there and we social workers shouldn't be doing it all that's why i have these statements to say and just have like the power struggles man like with the kids with us doesn't feel good imagine being in our shoes reverse if there was a power struggle we came to your room and told like again what if what if we came to your classroom and told you what to do. That wouldn't fly. You would report us in a second. So just think about it. Like, we're human, too, and we don't get a break. We don't get a planning period. We're going all day. We don't even get to pee. I know that teachers don't get to pee, either, but neither do we. There's kids at our room every second, constantly telling us about their night. Like, my student, right in the morning, hey, I I got to school late because my mom and Or My dad and my stepmom were fighting, and they were yelling, and I had to protect my younger siblings, but I got here. I didn't eat breakfast. You have breakfast. I want to eat before I get to the day. But I can't stop thinking about how, like, my dad, I don't know where I'm going to go after school because I got in a fight, and my dad said we're leaving. and, And then that kid has to go into the day and possibly get yelled at by you because he's goofy, because he tries to be the class clown because of all the shit he goes through. Step back. Do not have a power struggle start shit with children or other adults and I start my day with that from the beginning where is my compassion where's my empathy for me yes I chose this job that doesn't mean I have to take the shit all by myself none of us should teachers either I don't want anything to be on each other we should come together and I am so appreciative of certain teams that listen to me and they want to help me that check on me like I actually genuinely get stunned shout out to the teachers that check on us I'm truly so baffled and so appreciative when they say, how are you? How are you doing? I'm like, huh, I'm good. I'm not used to that question. And, like, the genuine, like, are you okay? Like, sometimes I, like, teachers come in like, how are you doing? But are coming to tell me something. But the ones that are genuinely checking on me, I have to pause for a second. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) Like, I don't, I'm not used to that question. That's so rare. It's it's a thankless job for sure. Anyways, tangents all over the place. I hope that people enjoy this. If not, it's just for me. I'm now. But moving forward to the, the empathy fatigue that I have with the area we're in. We're in such a rural crappy area. No offense, but offense. It's not there. It's not the rural area's fault that there's not enough resources and there's not en- there's unsupportive parents. Raising kids that aren't very nice themselves, and it's not everybody, it's a lot. But for example, one of the things I dislike about this, like some of the kids, is that they wear, like, I love hot mom shirt, I love MILFs, and inappropriate terminology. But they're being raised by uneducated, unsupportive humans at home that are also wearing that clothes that buy that for them, that don't care, that are teaching a bad impression, saying, oh, it's just funny that kids, they're not realizing that they're modeling for their kids and their kids are copying them and they think it's okay. Like we, like my, my two co-workers and I literally saw a parent wearing that same hoodie that is pretty gross out in public, so why would their kid be any better? Like these are the parents we're dealing with. This is the, the area that we're dealing with that all grew up there, that are raising kids just like them, naughty, raising naughty, not changing the hanging out with their kids, being friends, letting them smoke weed, being the cool parent, not caring if they go to school. Oh, I can't get my kid to school. What do you mean? Like we're coming from a really tough area. And again, it's not the kid's fault. It's who's modeling. So if they're getting modeled, if their model is a parent that's just like that, why is it okay when they come to school to also treat them like You're yelling at them for the behaviors that that's all they know at home. You're getting pissed or you're yelling at them when all they do is get yelled at at home, they're going to cuss you out. Again, cycle. We're the ones that have to sit with them and be better. And I'm, I'm like shouting out to one of the prin—the principal interns at my school, I love her very much. I had been frustrated with these kids too. I was not my best self because I've been overwhelmed by the way that they're treating me. Like I've cried a few times because of the cussing, but then coming to terms with it's not entirely their fault. And I was like, nope, don't let them come in your room, but that's not okay. Why would I shut off the kid? Why would I tell them to shut off the kid? And I really respect this principal intern teacher. She's like, but we're their constant. We have to model for them, whether they are rude to us, whether they cuss us out, whether they treat us shitty. We are still their safe place that they should be able to come to. And I love that. And that's working together. That's perspective. That's, appreciative that they said that because it is so true because we're guiding them if we shut them out then they're only going to be the shitty parents that they see or the teachers that don't understand that I'm being shitty to them too cycles that we have to break and i know we can't do it in this lifetime but it's a start there's not enough resources or not as there's just not enough of anything especially where i am and that's why i'm there pick an easier I could have picked an easier district and I was in easier districts. I was. I was with people that understood mental health. Every parent wanted it, even in the villages where people didn't have enough money, even in the rural areas of the school districts I was in, more people understood. More parents wanted that for their kids. More people were like, Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. I'm so happy. More people were open to the counseling office and everything. But out in the rural area they don't believe in it as much. And that is why i to bring it there so that it can become normalized and it can become, you know what I mean, like it's so frustrating and there is so much lack of support out there that CPS can't even follow through with their jobs or get the supports needed because they're not either one, not out there, not believed in, not followed through, they know the nature of the systems, like I've had students say, you know that my parents don't have to answer the door, right? You know that if CPS comes, we don't have to do anything about it, right? And that's so sad that Crappy area raises crappy people who teach their kids crappy ways, who don't care that they're not being a great parent, that really manipulate their kids to think that that's love and that they're taking care of them and that us support staff and us school people are awful, and manipulation of the system, the taking advantage of free stuff and getting a boob job and being an alcoholic but telling your kid that that's normal, they should have you because they're buying you things. Like, the. You, I just can't believe what we do; with. It's unreal. And just being in an area where for the first time ever I had went home not knowing where my students were going home. Out of all the years of working with kids, that was the first time I was like, where are they going? And someone said, I don't know. And I left that day. That was a Friday. I didn't know where my kids were going for the yes, unfortunately, they know how to take care of themselves. They know how to get places. They know how to be with people. But going to bed that night and having, like, the stress of not knowing where any of them were made me want to give kids my phone number so I know where they are. And that's not good for my sanity if I did that. But because of where the area is, there's not enough CPS workers. There's not enough care. There's not enough – like, they're so strict with their politics of CPS and the structure that they do the bare minimum because of the lack of support, the lack of, like there's so many different protocols now that's unreal, that would never fly in the other counties that I've worked in. I've had CPS workers show up that day and take the kid to a different relative's house or make sure that, like pick them up from school and bring them to a friend's house just so they're safe. Not in not in this area, I just couldn't believe it. And then I, I had been validated by my colleague's friend who works at a different county that I used to work in, their CPS DSS worker saying, yeah, that I can't believe that your their kids are dealing with that in your district. That's not what happens here. Even during COVID, during the hardest time where all the shit was hitting the fan that the kids were being taken care of, CPS was on the ball in my old county, on the ball. No skips, caring about the kids. And that there was like group homes, like a ha- it's like a halfway house that could take care of kids to get them back on their feet or respite care or mental. Like there was different things that were more available in that county than there is here. And the way that you could become a foster parent is way easier in different counties. And like if you deem a parent unsafe, you take them. Everyone was in agreement with me. And then another district in another county had called me and said, your county does nothing. I was like, thank you. I thought I was crazy. I thought I was missing I – th- I thought I had, like, this rose-colored lens of, like, oh, they actually do stuff. They help kids. They do better. They give support. They give parenting classes. They make mandatory family sessions and stuff. But, no, it is not – I like, my county sucks, the one I'm, I'm working in right now. And I want to do more. Like, that's why I want to go macro social work so I can do more for these situations because these poor kids, man. I need that and like w- I need as many support people as can like that we can get. That's why I want everyone on board with mental health help and I know it stresses us out. This is what the whole topic is about the empathy fatigue and the compassion fatigue of me taking on so much and the teachers don't want to get invested in that. Ad- other adults don't want to get invested in that because they're so focused on themselves and they don't want to get involved and they don't want to deal with it for their mental There'd be less on all of us, and that's the empathy that is necessary for everybody. We should be working together. We should be getting it, or else I'm going to go back to just caring about the kids, and that's not fair, and that's not right, but they are the priority, and they should be all of our priorities, too. Multiple things can be true at once, including all of Parts of me that really needed to take a step back, and I do need to thicken my skin and stand up for these things and really put in the efforts to look into things to help more kids and to be more responsible and, like, knowing what's in the areas and the surrounding areas and getting everyone on board, including parents. Like, I counsel parents, too, and I don't care. I will talk to a parent all day to help them out. I will. I will set them up with parenting classes or family therapy because it's okay to ask for help. We all need it. Like I'm asking for help with so we can work with more adults in the, in my school district and work together. The higher ups, the, the principals, the teachers, we all do need to band together. And I want that and I want to be more supportive. I wanna link parents to things and I, I get it. Like I know that I'm complaining about different perspective or different aspects of like the systems. I know that they're I'm never gonna win all of the systems all especially all at once. And I get that. There's more politics to, like, if a parent's not answering the door, we can't provide them with the sources they need, or we can provide them with the sources they need, and they don't follow through. There's so many parents that I send them all of this information about therapy for their kids, and they don't do it. They don't follow up with the paperwork. They get kicked off a wait list. They don't care because they're prioritizing themselves, and that's a whole other tangent about parents not being able to take care of their kids. That's another thing. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But... I think if we all, be like I'm saying, like if we worked, if we were a community and we came together, if the teachers understood us, support staff and understood what why admins not, because we get closer connections with these kids. But if you take the time and know them, you can understand or even come talk to us. You don't even have to talk to the kid themselves. Come talk to us and understand where these kids are coming from, and understanding that wh- why they're not doing your classwork or understanding why that kid doesn't get suspended outside of school and why that kid does. And what's just dis- like the parents got to take care of certain parts of it too. Or that one's in school suspension, or we're trying to get them in school because that's the bare place that we can get them to. And just try our best because those kids that want to get suspended and get suspended are out there smoking weed and got exactly what they want, not having to do homework, and you think it's easier for them to be out of school like you get you get mad at them as soon as like yay, they we should be like, Oh my god, you came to school, I'm so proud of you. And then you go up to them and start yelling at them at seven thirty AM. Why would they want to come back? Because you're making it about you. You're making it that we don't want these kids in the school, they should get suspended. So I'm gonna yell at them first thing in the morning because I know they're gonna cuss me out and then they're gonna go to the principal's office. What the fuck? Excuse my language. What that So then that's the school to prison pipeline. Coming to school and then they're not gonna come to school because you couldn't handle them in school. You freak them out. Ma- you you match their level. You yell at a kid. You were arguing with a kid full volume. Because that's, that's cool, right? Yelling at a kid full volume because nobody hears. Like, if an adult had come up to you two started yelling, would you hear anything they say? No. You'd probably cuss them out too. So you would be exactly, you're yelling at the kids for something that you would end up doing in that situation too. What the heck? There's just so much to and I feel so passionate about it, but I need to, like, tighten my bootstraps and get get to work. I can't be boohoo crying all the time about it, even though I, I'm allowed to have those feelings, but I have to do something about it. I want to make changes, and if that puts my, my career on the line, at least I'm going out. Just like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, I'm going to go out with helping and doing what I was supposed to do. Even if it shakes up the systems, it shakes up anything, I'm really going to put the efforts in, even if I have to go beyond talk to leaders of the education system and the prison system and switch something that needs to be done. I'm super passionate about helping kids that are where I used to be. And it's not just for me, it's for them. Like putting myself in the, these kids' shoes and what they experience on a day-to-day basis is unreal. And I can and nobody understands it except for us in this field or if you truly want to sit down and understand it, please I would love to talk about it. step at a time and the moral of this is to show that I'm with you people out there I'm with you kids if you're listening I'm so sorry if you're listening to it one of my I know my children some of them listen to my podcast I'm really sorry for swearing I love you guys and I'm I'm here for you and I want to make the world a different place for you and make sure that the next generations on and on get treated properly even if you're a kid Even nurses and everybody it's not just about education all of you on the outside I hope that you're taking care of yourself. These jobs are not easy and we get real like I know some people turn cold because of how much empathy they already gave and they don't have enough anymore for themselves or others and we become cold but don't let don't let it win. Take care of you take care of your people take care you know go do something fun think about, you know, helping throughout the holidays. Service for others makes us feel better. That's why I do what I do. I wouldn't change my job for the world. I really wouldn't, no matter how much stress I or crying I do, I wouldn't want to leave these kids. I want to keep helping them until until I can't anymore. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Grow Through What You Go Through and keep pushing on and I hope that you have a fantastic holiday month. Enjoy today, Black Friday, and enjoy season and, and have fun. Thank you. Bye.